Today's date is February 22nd, 2021. Welcome to Nerds of Unusual Origin. I am your host, Steve. And I'm Frank. Nerds of Unusual Origin is a weekly podcast where we take a deep dive into the culture that is nerd. We'll discuss some music, movies, and more, as well as talk about some other things that we obsess over. Okay, Steve, tradition is tradition at this point. Uh, what you drinking? I'm drinking some Polar Seltzerade. Raspberry uh, le- Pink Lemonade. Okay, I am not drinking that. Uh, let's see. Right now, I'm drinking... I just got these today. Uh, a Down East Pear Cider. So, kind of excited about that. I haven't uh, got to shake it. I'll know, be honest, I'm a little bit intrigued. That's the Down East thing. All right, here we go. I'm going to not do this right in front of the mic because that's deafening. <laughs> just as good. Um, okay, on, per- on first whiff, uh, and first sip, it tastes a lot like any kind of apple cider with a little bit of funk. So where's you know the pear come in? That's what I'm wondering. Um, it, it's there, but it's like it's like a really subtle pear, kind of like almost an underripe pear. Not bad though. Huh? Yeah. I'll have to try it someday. Yeah, not bad. Okay, so in the interest of full disclosure, this is our second take at this podcast. Uh, We tried recording it a couple of nights ago and uh, ran into a little bit of um, homeowner emergency. My garbage disposal started leaking violently um, under my sink, and uh, I got a a frantic text message from my wife, and so we had to do a hard cut. So... Uh, so we're doing this again, a little bit of real life action there, but for those, uh, interested in a resolution to that, I did have to go get a new garbage disposal and replace it. So, which was done successfully in about 45 minutes. Pretty easy job. I'm not going to lie. I had to replace the uh, garbage disposal on our, at our house a couple of years ago and rewiring that thing was a bitch. Oh, really? Oh, man, this thing's pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, luckily, I got the same brand that I had before, so, you know, everything lined up pretty good. All I had to do was just wire it up and chuck it in there, and now we have the Insincorator Badger 900. Great almost it seems a little, uh, <laughs> it almost seems a little uh, futuristic with that name. Yeah, I know. Uh, it, it's funny, I was, like, reading the descriptions on the on the box, and... Apparently, this thing can grind up chicken bones in, like, peach pits and stuff. I find that hard to believe, and I can't really think of a situation where I'm jamming a chicken down my drain. But, you know, hey, whatever. It's there if I need it, I guess. All right, so uh, one of our top stories this week. um, The uh, Mars Perseverance rover uh, finally landed. Had a nice, successful landing um, on Mars, which was pretty awesome. And uh, this is something that I've been following pretty closely um, in the space program in general over the past couple of years, uh, I think the, um, the, uh, the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 back in 2019 kind of reignited my passion for the space program, uh, as well as watching Adam Savage's, uh, YouTube channel, cause he's a huge space nut. And, um, 
so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked. You know, it's a, it, it's a huge step. Uh, I know that we've had rovers up there before and they're still up there, but this is, um, this is definitely a really advanced, um, you know, piece of equipment compared to what we've had up there before, you know, uh, full high res, you know, full color images, um, you know, a lot more, a lot, there's a lot more capabilities with this one compared to the last. And, uh, so it's pretty exciting, you know, you know, our, uh, our American space program is kicking ass this past couple of years. Yeah. So I was looking in the news and I saw that and I saw that it was very different from any of the rovers that were out there, very precise. And it's doing a lot of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's looking uh, samples. Sorry. It's doing yeah. core samples and, and that's pretty cool to try and find out what we're dealing with when we eventually go to colonize Mars. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, one of the coolest things that happened actually was the, uh, the descent. Um, you know, we, we used basically what's called a sky crane to, to lower the, the rover onto the surface of the planet. Um, typically what we would do is we would, you know, load a bunch of airbags around our equipment that we'd shoot up there. And, uh, that equipment would essentially just crash into the surface of the planet and bounce around with the hopes that no damage was done. But this time we basically, we, uh, we kind of gave it a rocket powered parachute, you know, to oversimplify things and, um, you know, lowered the, the rover down to the surface of the planet, nice and gentle. And then the, the parachute kind of flew off, you know, as so as to not damage the rover after it landed. And, uh, there's also a helicopter up on Mars too, you know, a drone. So that's pretty awesome. You know, we're really, um, you know, we're really flexing our tech muscles and our, our space program muscles right now. And uh, it feels good. I like it. So you mean to tell me every other Mars landing, we just let it fall and hope it didn't break? <laughs> it's a little fancier than that, but but yeah, pretty much. Um, that 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 really was kind of what happened. Um, instead of a, a nice gentle landing, it was more of like a controlled crash. Um, so yeah, that definitely uh, definitely a cool way to do it. Yeah, so that's it. So that's Perseverance. Um, you know, I'll be following that closely and giving an update every once in a while as soon as we get some news. So, but some of the, uh, some yeah, of the initial I've, I've images seen the, are pretty sorry. awesome. No, it's okay. Yeah, the initial pictures are beautiful. So, The only pictures I've seen so far are the ones that they, uh, they took from the shuttle, I think. Oh, really? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to look again. Hold on. Well, yeah, um, I googling. Yeah, there's a, there's um, a couple of surface images that they've released. One was in black and white, and another one was in uh, full cover, full color. Excuse me. And um, there was also another one of the uh, the rover's wheel um, with some really interesting rocks in the background. Uh, one thing that we already discovered is how pitted up some of the um, formations on the surface of the planet are. You know, full of like little impact craters or it almost it almost um, resembles a kind of like a volcanic rock. So, you know, we're already learning new things, and it's only been up there for you know basically a couple of weeks. That's pretty cool. I'm looking at it right now, and I'm way more intrigued than I was two days ago. 
Yeah, it's pretty awesome. You know, one thing that's kind of cool too is you know how closely we nailed the look when we um, when when uh, the Martian was filmed. You know, pretty pretty close, pretty close as far as the atmosphere goes. So yeah, that's perseverance. So Steve, uh, what's next? What are we gonna do? Are we gonna get into Ready Player Two now, or are we gonna you know continue on with some more like? recent news um on the topic of news we might as well keep up with it uh did you hear about daft punk as of today yeah i was that kind of like took me by surprise i was not expecting that at all um yeah so for those i don't think anybody was right yeah for those of you that don't know um daft punk announced today that they split up um you know, just kind of out of the blue. I've never been super big into the type of music that they play, but I've always liked the music that they make specifically. I liked the soundtrack they did for Tron. I liked the album Random Access Memories. I liked some of the older, you know, songs that they did. It's really kind of a bummer that they broke up because you're not going to get anything good from them again. Yeah, I know. It, it was definitely, definitely pretty sad. I agree with you on the Tron Legacy soundtrack. That was pretty epic. Um, and uh, I, I've been actually a pretty big fan of theirs since um, early 2000s. Uh, I own a bunch of their records. And um, yeah, definitely kind of a bummer. They were a huge part of my, um, you know, kind of high school years. And, and uh yeah, so I'm kind of sad that they're not going to be around anymore. But man, I mean, what a huge, huge impact on on you know music in general that they had. You know, a lot of a lot of collaborations and you know a lot of uh, a lot of really interesting concept, really high concept you know musical group too. Um, so yeah, kind of a bummer. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um while we're talking about them you know let's go out on a, a high note on them what was your favorite song by them oh okay so um there was a couple um you know i really you know obviously i like um harder better faster stronger that's definitely one of my favorite ones and um i also liked um oh shoot they did this wicked awesome mashup of two of their songs on their live album from 2007. And, uh, it was around the world and, um, television. And, you know, if you ever get a chance to listen to that, it's, it's sick. And, uh, the, the fan shot music video of that from one of their concerts in Paris is epic. Like I had no idea that like an electronic dance, um, you know, uh, a, a group could put on such an amazing show, but it was pretty, pretty incredible. So those are, those are a couple of my favorites. Yeah. I have a whole different idea for when it comes to my favorite song. Um, they have a song on their uh, random access memories album. It's called instant love. And it's got the guy from the strokes. Oh, Do you know about yeah. that song? Yeah. That song's sick. It's got such a good groove. Wicked good. Yeah, I, I'm super into it. I, I I like a lot of the the stuff that came off of Random Access Memories. Get Lucky with Pharrell. It's all good. I like it a lot. 
yeah that was a good album that was definitely a good album and you know they got funk guitar legend Nile Rodgers to play guitar with them on that and uh it was just pretty sick I remember when they played I think it was um Pharrell and Nile Rodgers uh at the Grammys and they played that song live it was pretty awesome yeah I mean it it just kind of sucks they were really good really talented musicians but they had a good almost 30 year run you know yeah a heck of a legacy to leave you know so we'll miss them yep I agree with you. Oh, now that we got some of the news out of the way, uh, what do you want to talk about? We have a couple of things that we planned on talking about. Um. All right. So I guess we should dive into WandaVision, huh? I'll do that. <laughs> I, I know after that episode, you kind of had your doubts about the series as a whole. What were your issues with it? So... You know, I as I talked about, I think on our on our first episode of the podcast, I'm not the biggest comic book, you know, nerd or geek or enthusiast. Um, you know, I appreciate them. I, I, I've you know i I've dabbled in it a little bit, so I'm not as familiar with the comic book lore as you know some people are. You know, namely uh, you, Steve. But I, I guess like having a vague knowledge of it is almost distracting me from enjoying the show um, as it is. Like, I feel like if I was a complete um, Luddite when it came to the comics, that I would probably have a little bit more enjoyment out of it. But right now I'm just kind of like going, all right, here are a lot of extremely obscure characters that aren't, you know, exactly popular. And uh, it's like, you know how how deep are they going to get into this um you know so it, it's i don't know it, it's hard for me it's not to cut you off or anything yeah, but i really ahead. think that you're looking into it a little harder i think that you tend to get frustrated when you don't realize who somebody is you kind of uh you go oh i don't really know who that is and and it frustrates you because you know that they're from the comic books the comic books don't really give lend any credence to what's actually happening. We don't know. It's, it's just anytime I reference a comic book character, it's just to say that they're oh they're bringing that person in. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think I think um, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know that, and I think that's why it's like it's like I in a way I wish I knew you know nothing about the comics at all or had I had no clue and I could just watch the show for what it is on its own merit um so if you look on the reddit page there's so many people on there that talk about how like the people that just watch the show don't understand what's going on but you don't knowing the comics doesn't give you anything that's yeah i already said that but whatever yeah i mean i mean yeah i don't do reddit (laughs) it's like trollsville you know uh population eight million so it can be um, but th- th- yeah. there's also some good memes that come out of it <laughs> oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure the memes are, are are epic and and the gifts too but um yeah so i don't know like i was really enthusiastic about the show after episode six and now i'm a little bit less enthusiastic um but i'm hoping that i can kind of like put my 
my problems aside and start enjoying the show, you know, for what it is. I started working on my own theory when it comes to the show. Okay. Lay it on me. So, obviously we know Agatha Harkness is a character. Um, I know I'm going to reference the comics and it might throw you off a little bit, but in the comics, Agatha wasn't bad. She was a she was actually good. She helped out people and she did work with Mephisto, but she ended up being so okay. what I think is going to happen is in the comic not in the comics, in the show, she has a rabbit named Mr. Scratchy. Nicholas Scratch was the name of Mephisto in the comics. Okay. I think that I think that Agatha is feeding into Wanda, who created the hex. She has to be close to Wanda to have kind of influence on her. That's why she lives right next door. Mr. Scratchy, if Mr. Scratchy happens to be Mephisto, Mr. Scratchy's with Agatha all the time. And it would he would be close enough to make Billy and Tommy real if he did give off a piece of his soul to make them. Okay. Um, do we know if... Um, Disney slash Marvel uh, has any plans to bring Mephisto into any of like the um, um, oh, okay. MCU? Yeah, yeah, that. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of dealer's choice. You don't really know what they're going to do. They have a really big NDA when it comes to spoiling anything, so you really don't see anything. So, I, right. I mean, it, it's... It's why it's everybody's just speculating twenty four seven. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna acknowledge your your theory and I'm gonna I'm gonna counter with a with a theory of my own that um Mr. Scratchy is just there for a little bit of fan service and that <laughs> he actually won't play any part you know that's major in the show at all it's entirely possible but i just it's it's in my head so you might as well talk about it <laughs> like like a terrible name that's you know just just there for like an obscure reference oh yeah for sure i just you know it's just too coincidental that the name's there and everybody thinks mephisto is going to be part of it so yeah i'm sure i mean and let's give the let's give the redditors some credit you know the, the predictions have been pretty accurate so far. You know, like the, the, the Agatha thing was predicted a few weeks ago. Um, you know, and, and um, Pietro there. Like, there, there, there were a lot of, you know, there, there's been a few conspiracy theories. Um, uh, Agent Rambo, you know, having powers and, and, and stuff like Like, it's all, you know, their predictions and their, their theories are, are, have been pretty spot on. So... You know, I'm just I'm just arguing the Mr. Scratchy thing to be a bit of a dick. <laughs> no, it's it's all entirely fine. I it's probably not going to happen. Like I said, I I just can't. I really want to see what happens because it, it seems like it's going to get really good now, really intense. Yeah, I mean the show's going to be wrapping up in the next couple episodes, so, so I'm interested to see There's if only they can two get more, a yeah. season two out of this. You know, because we don't know if any of the actors and actresses have signed on. 
Uh, I I've been hearing left and right that it's supposed to be a mini series and not a season show. I'm I'm hoping it's a season show because it's very well done. I mean, it it'd be cool to see more, but you don't really know. Do you think it'll be kind of like an anthology, like American Horror Story? No, I think what they're doing is exactly what you said a couple of weeks ago, is that they're kind of just setting up Phase 4. This is just kind of leeway into it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it'll, be, uh, it'll definitely be interesting um, to see what happens. Yeah, because how many, how many episodes did they say? There's nine in total, then the 10th is supposed to be like a behind-the-scenes. Oh, uh, okay. If you were to give the episode a rating, what would you say this one was? Last time you gave it an eight. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna step it down because of my um, slightly ambivalent feelings afterwards. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with a seven. It wasn't bad. I didn't think it was all that great either. Um, so, although one thing I did think was kind of funny was when um, Vision and Darcy were stuck in the bus. And Vision was like, yep, see ya, and just, like, flew away. Um, but, no, you know what? I'm going to bump it up to an 8, because I thought the way that they um, portrayed the modern-day sitcom aesthetic was, like, spot-on. And it was, it, was, it was so good that it was like they were just flat-out mocking the way that sitcoms are made nowadays. Oh, it was, it was completely only The Office and uh, Modern Family the entire episode. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. Like I thought that was good. Um, and actually, me and my wife talked about it afterwards, and we thought that, um, you know, they've really been nailing the vibe so far. So, um, yeah, okay, I'll I'll stay with eight. What about you? Um, I'm gonna go with an eight and a half. I gave it an eight last time. I I really enjoyed it. I liked what they did with the episode. I liked the the you know the office intro. Me and my wife are extreme extremely in love with the office. And uh, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I mean, the, the, even the interviews they did where they did like the, the camera spikes, they, it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty awesome. So, all right. So we'll see what happens next week. Yes. Before we get to the last topic, uh, have you seen either of the two new trailers that came out this week? Uh, I'm assuming you're talking about Justice League and Mortal Kombat. I am, but uh, do you know what Justice League trailer I'm talking about specifically? Is it the one with the Joker in it? It is. Do you know what's different from the original? His hair? He has long hair. I I didn't see the trailer itself, but... Okay, so I'm way off. I didn't actually see the trailer. All I know is that, like, oh, the Joker's in it. Everybody shit their pants. Yay. So... So the difference between this this movie and the other one is that Joss Whedon cut and directed the rest of the last one. He made it shit. It wasn't good. Zack Snyder was the original director. He had to step out of it because, his, unfortunately, his daughter died in the middle of um, filming. So right, he yeah, had I, Joss Whedon step in. Yeah, I knew all that. Like, I knew all that. I didn't know if you were talking about... Um, the latest like the very very latest trailer because i saw i saw the first one when they announced that it was going to be a you know the snyder cut yeah so it is it's the the newest trailer is the snyder cut and it looks completely different from the original film like even just the trailer i'm pretty sure that i heard 
Zack Snyder is not using anything Joss Whedon shot and or anything that had to do with the story from the one that Joss Whedon made because that wasn't the original version of the movie. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. I, I do, however, think that the Joker being in the movie is really going to fuck it up because he wasn't a good Joker. Um, yeah, you know, I thought that I, I thought that um, Jared Leto's take on the Joker was a missed opportunity because you know anybody that's seen jared leto's films um knows that he's a phenomenal actor so i yeah i was bummed out with yeah definitely you know he goes he gets really into it and and his his performances are, are typically excellent um so i was really bummed out with you know how they portrayed the joker it was it was too far they went they went too far astray you know from from the original joker so i'm interested to see what he the looks problem like with the, the whole one. thing with the joker was that when they unveiled what he looked like originally for the uh, uh suicide squad movie everybody talked so much shit about it that they cut most of his role in the movie out so you never really got to see how he would have been as the Joker other than him, like making Harley Quinn. That was it. Yeah. So, I mean, if he has more of a a role in this movie, which I highly doubt it'd be cool to kind of see a little bit of character development. But other than that, like I, all he said in the trailer was we live in a society. That's it. Mm. A society of what? Yeah. Right. That's all I need to talk about this trailer. I just, it just, <laughs> it looks good, but it doesn't make sense. What I really want to talk about is the Mortal Kombat trailer. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, let's do that. Let's do that. You know, I'm excited. I'm wicked pumped for this because I, I, I loved the, um, the original movies from the 90s. And, and even as, even as terrible as like the second one was, still liked it. Um, so I, yeah, I'm pretty pumped about this. Super pumped. Yeah, I mean, the the Red Band trailer was one of the sickest things I've ever seen in the last, like, year. Like, just uh, Jack's getting his arms ripped off? Hell yeah, I'm I'm so pumped for this. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're making it a hard R movie, you know? Um, which it should be. Let's face it, this is the original violent, you know, like, super violent video game. You know, and it and it deserves to be portrayed as a super violent, you know, um, uh, property. You know, so it it and that and it it looked good. It didn't look super cheesy like you know um, the original one was. Yeah, I I agree. The it almost the original was like too Mortal Kombat for its own taste. I mean, not Mortal Kombat. It was too 90s for its own taste. It, it almost seemed like a B-movie. There was barely any like big actors in it. So, I mean, it, it was good for what it was because everybody who was watching the movie was playing the video games at the time. They were, you know, 15, 16. So they weren't going to make it in hard R, and it needed to be. Yeah. It, it was simultaneously, like, not scary enough and not violent enough. And the story was, I mean, well, you know, actually, I can't really diss on the story because the story of Mortal Kombat is pretty stupid anyway. Um, you know, I'm not playing the game for, for you know, character arcs. Uh, so, 
but yeah, it it um it needed what this trailer looks like. I like that they brought in some of the characters from some from all the games. Like I saw uh, Kung Lao in there. I yes. saw. I think I saw Baraka. Uh, I think so. I'm just double checking. Baraka was one of my favorites. All right, all right, so characters that are gonna be in the movie. Okay, so we got Jax, Sub Zero, Scorpion, Sonya Blade, Kano, Liu Kang, Kung Lao, Raiden, Melina, Shang Tsung, of course, Goro, of course, he better be, Smoke, and let's see. Okay, so those are the only ones that have been confirmed. You know, so there could be more, but. I don't know why they would have smoke in there. I guess they'd have if they had smoke, they should have noob Saibot and mm, I don't know. Whatever. I, it's either way. Like the trailer has that fight between Sub Zero and and Scorpion, and it's just holy shit. Yeah, it looks sick. Raiden looked pretty cool too. I mean, it looks like he's much younger in this movie than he was in previous movies. Yeah, I didn't understand that. He looked like he was at the same age as everybody else, and I was under the impression that Raiden was supposed to be like an elder god. Well, he is. He is a god. Um, I think it's just kind of. I think it's kind of cool that they're going to portray him as being a little bit younger. Because in the in the original Mortal Kombat, you know, video game, you couldn't really tell how old he was. You know, it, you know, uh, Chris Lambert did okay in in the original movie, but. There were a couple problems with his casting, in my opinion. One, you know, I don't think he was young enough. Two, he's he's not Asian. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's, you know, let's face it. This was, you know, mid-90s and whitewashing was kind of a, you know, the norm. But uh, it's good to see. I think Raiden was supposed to be Asian in the game. I always got the vibe that he was. I mean, you know, not to throw stereotypes around, but I mean, look at the hat. You know what I mean? Um but I guess I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's good that they're, you know, they have more of a diverse cast this time around. Yeah. I, I think it's cool. The only thing I'm kind of mad about is looking at the cast list. It doesn't say Johnny Cage. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Um, I mean, he's been a staple in the, in the games for a long time. I mean, he was, he's original. He's OG. So, you know, I just wanted to see him do his, his split nut punch. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, take his sunglasses <laughs> off and, and, and look directly into the camera. <clears throat> you fucked up, HBO. You fucked up. <laughs> so, but yeah, definitely pretty pumped. When's it supposed to come out? So, Steve, when's this supposed to come out? I think it's supposed to come out April 16th. I'm going to double check that right now. Um, uh, yeah, it's April 16th. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be on um, HBO and in theaters at the same time. So well, I've got an HBO. Yeah, I highly doubt so. it's coming out in the theaters. <laughs> yeah, I'll be tuning in on HBO. So now that we have all that out of the way, I wanted to get to the biggest topic, the thing that we mentioned we were going to talk about last week. Frank and I have both read slash listened to Ready Player Two, um, and we both really liked it, and we wanted to talk about it a little bit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what were your impressions about the book? I... Uh, think we had a little bit different idea of how we thought it was um so i i thought it was good you know it by no means was it a bad book um you know speaking in general you know in uh, generalities it was it was a little bit too much like ready player one 
for me. You know, while I thought that they did introduce some new concepts and some new um, plot devices and stuff, I thought that the, you know, it, it's another Easter egg hunt again. You know, uh, you know, with everybody having to be in virtual reality to complete the Easter egg hunt. I guess that wasn't exactly a story that I needed to hear about again. So I was kind of, that aspect of it was kind of like, meh, all right. But the things that happened in the story I thought were pretty good. Yeah, but the stakes were a little bit different in this. Like, you didn't know what was going to happen by the end of the book when they did find all these shards that were out in the open. Right. But, I mean, were were the stakes really all that different? I mean... Yes, because nobody retained... Nobody... <clears throat> the stakes were completely different. I mean, nobody got anything other than Ogden Morrow. I mean, if you're being completely honest. What do you mean nobody got anything other than Ogden Morrow? To give spoilers, the seven shards that they were searching for in the book were the memories and um, brain upload, essentially, of Kira Agdemaro's wife, who had right. passed away uh, years and years ago. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I guess I, I was just failing to see where your comparison was using that. I, I just mean in the first book, you know, everybody was going after the same thing because it meant that you took over the fortune that was Gregarious Gaming Systems. And sure. then you, uh, yeah, this, this, I mean, people could search for it, but they couldn't touch it. It was only two people that were able to get it. Yeah. Right. I mean, um, like I get the little, the, I get the, the like smaller differences. I'm just saying like on a, you know, the, on an overall thing, it, it was still another, you know, it was still another, it was another Easter egg hunt. It was another, you know. Oh, I get what you're saying. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, that's yeah, what it I was meant. an Easter egg hunt. Like that, like you, you already used that as a way to drive the plot forward in the first book, you know? So like, I, I wasn't looking for that. It wasn't the story that I was looking for or that I wanted out of a, a sequel to that, to that book. So, um, so in a way, I mean, you know, just speaking personally, in a way, I was a little bit let down by the book on a, as a whole. But I did think the book was good, regardless of how I felt about the story. Yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago, I had posted a status update when they showed the trailer for Ready Player One. And I was like, I really hope they're not doing this the way that it seems like they're doing it, because it looks like shit. And uh, I got into this huge discussion with a couple of friends about the book and, and they, it kind of, what one of my friends said about the first book makes sense for the second book is that it's uh, like his, his exact quotes were, it's 200 pages of setup and a hundred pages of story. Um, well, yeah, yeah, I guess, um, but that was, I think that reflects the, uh, you know, how, how long it actually took to achieve the goals of the first book. You know, the first book takes place over, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it takes place over a couple of years, doesn't it? I think it takes place over seven or eight years. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of setup um, and there's going to be a lot of backstory and there's going to be a lot of, you know, um, 
uh, explaining to do. So yeah, but the backstory took place over nine days. Like I don't need to know what happened in nine days. It goes nine days and it skips however long. Oh, you're talking about just... the second book now. Yes, yeah, I thought that's what we were talking about. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were talking about. Uh, no, sorry. I was. I thought you were I talking comparing... about Ready Player One. No, I was comparing the first book to be the second book in that there was 200 pages of setup and 100 pages of story in this in both of them. Yeah. yeah it was think... kind of just like Ernest Klein was trying to flash his balls as to how much popular culture knowledge from the 80s, 90s and 2000s. Right. Yeah. It was there was a lot of um you know, did we need to know that going on in the second book? Um Whereas in the first in the first book, I felt like it, I felt like all the details were kind of necessary in the first book because you were establishing the world and you were establishing um, James Halliday as a character. And it's like, okay, I get James Halliday now. I've read the first book. Um, I've seen the first movie. I, I get it. You know, the guy was you know um, on the spectrum. He was obsessed with the the culture of of his time. And, you know, okay, I, I get that. You did that already. So why are we still doing it again? You know, so I guess I, you know, now that the more I talk about it, I guess my problems with the book, with the second book are, are bigger than, than initially I thought. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe, maybe you I'm didn't really like it as not, much as you thought you did. Yeah, I think I might be discovering that right now. Well, I apologize for ruining it. <laughs> no, you're not ruining it. <laughs> Anyways, no, I, I definitely realize stuff. Yeah, I, I definitely like the fact that they used Halliday as the big bad in the second book, but not really Halliday. Yes, that was cool. That was pretty clever. Um, you know, that was a good twist. So the, um, I liked that. And, you know, I, I guess one thing that you know, Ernest Klein did pretty well was highlight the insecurities of a um, teenager. You know, I, I, I was able to identify with, with um, Wade, you know, the character of Wade Watts because he was so uh, insecure. And so, you know, he was constantly second guessing himself and, um, you know, really unsure of, of his emotions, you know, he was really underdeveloped emotionally. And I, I felt like during that time of my life, I, you know, I was in the same exact boat. So, um, I thought it was pretty cool how in the second book, he was still very much that character because the events of the second book happened in a much faster time frame, like way faster than, uh, than the first book. Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. Like, I, I was that same kid at, at, you know, various points of my teenage years. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense, and and I was that kid as well. But it, it just, I don't know. It it needed to happen, but it didn't need that much backstory, in my opinion. I do like where the story went, though. It just sucks that it took 11 chapters to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um but I thought it was a really, I thought it was a neat concept though with, um, you know, just skipping ahead to the, to kind of the end and what I would call the, you know, the surprise ending because I was genuinely surprised by the fact that, 
essentially throughout the entire story we were it was being told to us by wade's um oui uh uploads you know like it was essentially his ai was telling us the story it really annoyed me that you were hearing most of the story from parzival being wade's ai in the vonnegut that you find out at the very end of the book i'd rather find out you know the thing about him and sam having a kid and this and that from wade it just i don't know it it irked me a little bit yes i agree because because you get so emotionally attached to the character of wade watts that you almost feel let down by the fact that it wasn't actually him telling you the story yeah i it's uh, that's i i feel like the entire ending chapter was a throwaway to me yeah um and it was it wasn't necessarily what i would call a happy ending you know because it was kind of like okay here's the you know all the um the brain uploads of of everybody on the vonnegut and they're basically like well good luck with that and then they fly off you know um and then we're just kind of left wondering what's gonna happen to the physical beings left on earth i thought it was kind of a it was it was a very neat and tidy way to end the story while still leaving some loose ends yeah overall it was a good book if you were to give it a rating from one to five what would you say um i'd go i'd go three and a half yeah i'm right there with you i i I liked it i just i i wish there was more story if anything yeah yeah um let's see some of my favorite parts though of the book definitely um when they visited Shermer, illinois uh the john hughesiverse uh, i thought that was pretty awesome and i really liked the you know because i'm a big lord of the rings nerd i really loved the the stuff that they got into with that because i thought in the first um in the first book the fact that they just completely ignored that entire aspect of nerd culture um was kind of weird so i'm glad to see that again. yeah it was really so. cool that they touched on like the old age stuff it's really cool that they spoke of like the cimmerillion and and this and that like it, i liked that part and i liked i definitely liked the john hughes universe um just you know i i had uh you had mentioned it the other day when we tried to record but the the needle drops was definitely a really cool uh thing that they did in that book where like as soon as you got to a specific point in some part of the story that you were in the sound from that movie just started playing yeah the yeah the needle drops yep i thought that was i thought that was cool it was a good way to work in some music um and as they were going through those sections of the story i could i could like hear the music in my head you know like i could really it it, it really put me in the um it brought me into the story you know so it was pretty cool to to hear to um to uh, that was a cool concept yeah for sure what do you uh do you think this is going to be a movie or do you think they're not even going to try you know if it was a movie it's gonna they're gonna have to do the exact same thing with, that they did with the first one which is kind of like pick some touchstones from the story um you know just to kind of like you know to kind of tie it in with the book a little bit but it's going to have to be totally different i mean the first movie was you know so different you know you could have made at least two movies out of the first book 
So I think it's going to be kind of the same. And um, the first movie to me was a bastardization of the original novel, and that's what annoyed well, me. Sure, but if you think about you know any kind of film adaptation from a, a densely packed novel, they're they're all like that. You know, uh, since we brought up Lord of the Rings earlier, that's a perfect example of like, you know, you you got to pare the story down to its absolute essential core. You know, and the core of Lord of the Rings is Frodo has the ring. He has to destroy the ring. So we're going to keep everything that can aid him in that and get rid of the things that, you know, maybe had no significant impact. And I think that's what they did with the with Ready Player One, the film. You know, they kept the concepts. They kept some of the characters. Uh, the beginning of the story and the end of the story are pretty similar. Some of the things that happen are similar. But there's no way in hell you're going to pack a massive movie like that into a two-and-a-half-hour movie at the most, you know? No, I get it. I, I think the thing I was more annoyed with was the uh, um, the lack of the stuff that he specifically spoke about in the movies, like at one point he was driving a kind of a mashup of the DeLorean, the Ghostbusters, uh, Ecto one and another car kit from Knight Rider. Right. And it just, it, he just had a DeLorean in the movie. It was just an, I don't know, annoying, but that sure. makes sense. It, it was, a, uh, they, they used everything that was associated with Steven Spielberg. Cause he obviously directed the movie. Right. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing. You know, it was a the first movie was a Spielberg movie and and Spielberg is known for spectacle. You know, a great storyteller to be sure, but you go to his movies to to kind of be blown out of your seat a little bit. And I think that's I think he really leaned into that aspect of his um filmmaking for for that movie. Yeah, for sure. I I mean I just can't wait to find out. I'm I'm gonna listen to it again coming up and see if there's anything else that I might have either missed or you know just uh, didn't pay attention to. Yep. All right. So I think um, that's gonna probably start bringing us up to time. So you know one thing we like to do at the end of the podcast is um, you know throw out some recommendations for you guys to check out in the meantime while you're waiting for the next episode. Um, Steve, what do you? Uh... What do you have to recommend today? So, yeah, one of the things I, I wanted to recommend, you know, at some point was the fact that Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird came out with a comic book that was a storyline from at least 20 years ago when they were working together. And they kind of got back together to write this book. And it's amazing so far. It's If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles story. It's called The Last Ronin. And so far, it is amazing. I, I really think anybody who likes comic books should check it out. I think I'm going to check that out because I love Ninja Turtles. And uh, I, I liked the the grittiness of the original comics. I thought it was pretty awesome. So I'm going to... Uh, oh, if you like the grittiness, you really need to pay attention to, to the, these books. It's it's only five stories. They're doing it um, quarterly. And, you know, it, they're big, 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 like, thick pages. And, and I I love it awesome yeah i'll have to check that out i've i've managed to um get first pressings of both issues so far oh nice that's awesome man i can't wait yeah. until uh plague lightens up and we'll be able to get together because i'd like to check that out in person sometime that'd be sweet 
Yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. And I'm trying to get my hands on some variants. And at some point, I want to get both an autograph from Peter Laird. Or at some point, I want to get an autograph from Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird because I think that'd be amazing. I mean, I have an autographed um, copy of the Infinity Gauntlet saga from the the original writer. So I, I have putting you know some comics up on my wall that I'm really excited to have. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so to kind of riff off of the, um, the Lord of the Rings, uh, and, and Tolkien universe a little bit, um, I didn't know, but last year in 2020, um, the Tolkien estate re-released the audiobook to the Hobbit and it was read this time by Andy Serkis. Um, you know, oh shit. That's awesome. Yeah. So you have Gollum himself you know, essentially, you know, reading the story. Does he do the Gollum voice? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, he does. And it <laughs> nice. Literally. It, it, like, yes, I'm at work, um, you know, uh, listening to this book, and it's like almost bringing me to tears because like to hear that uh, was just epic. And, you know, Andy Serkis is one of the greatest actors going right now. The guy is unbelievable. Everything he does, in my opinion, is is, you know, perfection. So to to hear him you know read uh tolkien's words and he does such a good job of honoring the text and the characters and he really gets into it um it's it's an incredibly good book to listen to uh and and it it really it really pulls you into that universe so that's that's my recommendation is to to go check that one out on audible I think I'm going to do that tomorrow. I, I need to listen to something new because the podcasts that I'm listening to just aren't cutting it. Yeah, it's great. And it's like it's like 20-something hours long, so uh, it'll definitely get you oh, through. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it'll get you through a good chunk of your work week for sure. Uh, I oh, What was it last year? I, I listened to it, and that was probably the worst mistake I've ever made in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that thing was took me two weeks to get through. Oh, nice. Well, that that could be a topic for a future show. Is um, you know, things that we uh, things that we got into that we weren't quite sure if we should have by the time it ended. <laughs> I'm definitely down for that. Awesome. With that being said, I think we're done for tonight. What do you think, Frank? Yeah, I think that was a good episode. It was a good episode. Uh, that being said, we are nerds of unusual origin. I'm Steve. I'm Frank. May the force be with you. Bye, guys.